0: are you ready to tap submit? Let's explore the possibilities together. Welcome to Back Porch Writer. Welcome to Back Porch Writer, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. I'm your host, Corey Miller, and today is April nineteenth, two 2016, and it's shaping up to be quite a nice day outside. We had rain and everything yesterday, but today... Bright and sunny, so this is awesome. Now I have a great show plan for you today. I have a guest, and her name is Cheryl Jones, and she is known as the Queen of Hearts. And I'm gonna let her tell you why in just a second. And when we're done talking with Cheryl, I've got 15 ways to improve your odds of author success. So you're gonna going to want to stay tuned so that you can hear that, and they're in the show notes right now over on uh, Blog Talk Radio, and I'll update the show page over on Back Porch Writer to include those 15 items plus the information about Cheryl Jones and how to get a hold of her and her book and and what she's all about. But without further ado, I want to bring her on to the program. Welcome, Cheryl Jones, to Back Porch Writer. How are you?
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Corey, for this wonderful invitation to be on your show. I am super excited.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm so glad. Um, I want to start with why are you called the Queen of Hearts?
1: Well, I am a social worker here in Dallas, Texas, and I work with individuals with special needs. And one of my family said that she noticed that I was more attentive and more caring than any other social worker she had ever met in her life. And, boy, that just kind of took me back a little bit when she said, you are the queen of hearts excuse me, and I immediately thought, wow, okay, that sounds pretty exciting. And that's been about ten years ago, and it's stuck ever since. So now everybody calls me the Queen of Hearts. I even get phone calls and people will ask on the phone, can I speak to the Queen? And I'm thinking, she's in London? (laughs) (laughs) So it's Oh, so funny that um, it just really stuck, and it's just who I am and what I do. So it's so exciting to just have a career that you absolutely love.
0: Mm-hmm. And that is such a great compliment to, to, see, to have people want to call you that and, and refer you to that, that way. I've worked with hundreds of social workers over the years in my former mm-hmm. career, and so I know it's a challenging line of work to get into, which is why I actually didn't go into it myself. Because it was, yeah. I thought I was very sad all the time and very frustrated all the time. So I'm glad I didn't go down that path, but I did work with a lot of really great social workers, some not so great, but some really great social workers over the years. And it sounds like you're one of those people. So you have a book and it's called Because of Him. And its new subtitle is around 10 Powerful Lessons That You Learned From Your Son, Adrian. Am I right?
1: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead and tell us about your book. Okay. Well, I wrote the book, my goodness, um, based upon pretty much my coach saying it's time to tell your story. And, you know, I didn't think that the story was really uh, something that I needed to share because my son has been gone for several years, and I just didn't realize how, impactful it could be to another person so I wrote the story it's so funny that uh, people say oh I have writer's block I wrote this book in like a day and a half so oh, it's like, yeah it came so quickly because it was it was just my life so it's just me telling the story what had happened after Adrian was born after he was diagnosed and then his life before he passed away and everything that I got from that Because I tell you, I am not the same person because he was here. It's really changed my life. It really did. So I just encourage families to, if they're dealing with special needs children or adults, to just take some time to love that person and to learn as much as you can, not only about them but about yourself. Because I learned some things in my life that can, you know, change my life, and it's helped a lot of people as well. So I absolutely love sharing Um, my story about him and how, you know, his life, even though it was a short life, really was impactful. I mean, he did some things, in my opinion, that normally wouldn't happen. Um, One of the main things that I want to share really quickly is that here in Dallas, they honor people from time to time. And Adrian was in a program at United Cerebral Palsy Association where they were going to plant trees for 10 influential people here in the Dallas area. And here it was, they picked out um, 10 people, and then they said they were going to do two children. Out of all of the children in Dallas at that time, they picked out my child as one of the children. And at the time, he was only two years old. But his Mm -hmm. laughter and his... His really just his courage to live a life of pain and different things that he went through, he was really a light. So it's just many times you know you're dealing with someone that that's an angel, really has been put here to not only change their life but change others' lives. So it's been a wonderful experience. It really has.
0: So what are some of the lessons that you learned from your experience? I don't want you to give everything away in the book, but... Tell, tell yeah, few.
1: I can give all 10 lessons. I, You know, I can just tell you the, the titles, and we'll go from there. Okay, it's 10 lessons that I learned from Adrian. The first one is acceptance. The second one is how to forgive now. The third one is to have courage. The fourth one is to see the good in others. The fifth one is to love everyone. The sixth one is to be flexible. The seventh one is to be happy and smile. The eighth one is be calm. The ninth one, it's okay to be silent. And the tenth one is, mommy, you'll be all right. So it is just a powerful story, basically, of how I turned my pain into really something that could help other people, to help other people heal.
0: Mm-hmm. What sort of feedback
1: have you received
0: from other people that have been able to read
1: your book? Oh, my goodness. I've, I've heard from a lot of moms with special needs children that it really helped them just really appreciate their child because one of the things that i tell people all the time is if your child is still alive you need to be so thankful because you've got to know that there's people out here just like me that wish that my child was still here so you're complaining about billy not walking well billy is alive so i just really take them back to that and just help them understand and see that life is worth everything so you got to, you know, just really cherish life and know that it's important that, you know, that you honor him or her while they're here, you know. And no one knows mm-hmm. how long we have, but especially if we have some type of thing that's going on with our body that, you know, is not quote-unquote normal, you know. We really right. need to honor, you know, the people that are here um, and uh-huh. that's, been the biggest thing with the children, uh, the parents of children with uh, disabilities. And then I've heard from a lot of parents who have lost children, and they have just been so encouraged about how I bounced back, you know, and not allow the deaf to just really allow me to die. I know some people, mm-hmm. you know, that, hey, if someone dies in their life, they won't be able to go on. Well, I tell people, it's your duty and your honor to go on, to honor them. Let your life be a mm-hmm. representative of, you know, what their life was, you know. So I just Mm -hmm. encourage families to share and to get out the door. And it's okay to cry. It's okay to, you know, share and let people know that it still hurts today. But I'm so thankful that I've shared the story and I've allowed other people to heal from it as well.
0: Right. Now this led, from what I understand, to your uh, podcast that you have that is called the Love of Heart Movement. So tell me a little bit Mm -hmm. about that.
1: Yes, it led to my career, and um, actually when Adrian was born, I changed my entire career, and I, I became a, a social worker. So now the Love of Heart movement is something. And this is just, a, um, I started this in 2015 in March. Uh, I have about 4,000 listeners now, so I'm so excited about that. And I really started it based upon... Um, going to so many different schools and hospitals and just different places, and people have been really unhappy with their job. And I'm just really shocked by that because I can't imagine being somewhere where you're not happy. So I just encourage people, do what you love, you know, and it's so important that you do that and just allow people to see you in a different light and allow people to really know that you are able to, you know, be a light, to be a force to be reckoned with, you know. So it's (laughs) so important. And I just choose to spotlight people who are doing what they love, whether it's an entrepreneur or a community volunteer or a service professional who works at a job. I've spotlighted teachers who get it. You know, I think it's a wonderful thing when you really get it, when you really understand, okay, I was put here to be a blessing to others, you know? So mm-hmm. definitely let me help others the, any way that I can, so.
0: Mhm, And it's so true. I mean, you do what you love, and you're just, you know, a happier person, and you're happy to be around, I and mean, people are happier to be yeah. around you, because you're That's just not so miserable <laughs> all mm-hmm. the time, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a big, yes. big, hairy deal, quite frankly. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm so happy
0: to hear that you are you are spreading the word about pursuing your passions and doing the things that people should be doing that they love to do. And it can be hard. I mean, I don't think either of us would say that it's an easy thing to do all the time to to do the things yeah. that you want to do or you love to do, because it does require a little bit of sacrifice sometimes in some it other does. areas to do. Those. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely worth the the effort, in my opinion. So yeah. the. Service that you created—it's Rod Core Services. Tell us a little bit about uh-huh.
1: that. Uh huh. I work with individuals with special needs, adults and children, and I help their parents get that needed break by providing them respite care. It is definitely something that um, is near and dear to my heart. If Adrian was still here, this is definitely a service that I would have needed. And I tell people, I made a company that I know I would have selected. And that is so, so important, you guys, when you know that you have something that not only serves your heart but serves the hearts of others because that's every decision that I make, I base it upon would I have wanted this for Adrian? Would I have wanted this Mm. for Adrian? And it just helps me take things to a different level. I give, you know, much more than my competition. I do a lot of things differently than my competition because I know what it is to be a parent of a special needs child. So I know that the hurt and the everything that they're dealing with, you know, so I um, mm-hmm. just take it a different level.
0: I have to say, I read through your website uh, before we got mm-hmm. together here on the show, and I read a lot of websites, a lot of different types of websites. And yours was, there was something about it that was truly genuine when I read it, and I thought, oh, oh my goodness. I mean, you, whatever you've done there, you've done a really good job of communicating exactly what you're saying to me now. You know, if I had a child with special needs, I'd be like, I think I should go to this person. It was just yes. very warm and inviting. There was just something about it that was truly genuine. And I don't come across that very often, to be perfectly honest, when I'm looking at websites oh, and reading wow. websites. And so oh, that was a really, you. that struck me. So I don't know oh. who did that. I don't know if it was you. I did. So did. That's, great. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's
0: great. Yeah. I'm so you're, excited. It well, it really comes across in your your messaging on your website. And so I, I want to encourage anybody who has special needs children or you know other people that have that, you, know, you don't have to be a Dallas area. You can contact her, I'm sure, and have chats yes. with her and, and get some advice. I think Cheryl will probably be open to that. I know I'm speaking for yes. you, but you just strike me as that person.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I would love to help anybody in need. I mean, and even I've even had the – you know the opportunity when a person's been di- diagnosed you know i've had some good connections with some great doctors it's like call me because they need support right then they need so i will leave my office and go and hold their hand while they're you know dealing with it's a lot to deal with to know that okay your child is not normal you know and they're saying that this and they're saying that it's difficult to hear that sometimes you know And I just Mm -hmm. tell people, just let someone be there for you and walk down that road with you when that happens, you know, because it's not always easy, definitely. Definitely. So, Cheryl, tell
0: everybody um, how they can get in touch with you.
1: Okay. Well, the best way to contact me, and I'm just kind of old school, I know everybody is, you know, everything else, but I love an email. I really do. So the best way to contact me is Cheryl, S-H-E-R-Y-L, Jones, J-O-N-E-S, at Rodcore, rodcor.com that is the best way. Um, I love Twitter, so I'm Cheryl Jones Joy, at Cheryl Jones Joy for Twitter. And I am just excited about whoever I can help and um, have a wonderful, um, just wonderful things that I'm doing in the community and things that I'm doing all over. So I'm just excited to be here. And thank you so much for this opportunity.
0: Well, Cheryl, I'm so glad that you were able to come on to the show and share your message with my listeners. I think it's a great message. I mean, any message that is promoting happiness, (laughs) I'm I'm on board. (laughs) Yeah. And and promoting passion and going after what you want in your life. Totally on board with that. So I want to thank you so much for being with me here today. And you have a great day. And as I said, I will put your information up over on the Backbridge Writer website so people can connect with you that way too.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: So definitely check out Cheryl's uh, book. It's over on Amazon, and it's called Because of Him, and 10 Powerful Lessons That She Learned From Adrian, her son. So check it out. She could use some review love, by the way, because she just has one review for that book over there, and it was a great review. Uh, so you should go check that out and pass it along, share it with your friends, family, you know, people who could really benefit from a message that Cheryl is sharing in her book and, of course, from this show. You can share this episode with other people as well. So I said at the top of the show that I have 15 ways to improve your odds of author success. And so I'm going to share them with you. I'll just read the 15 uh, really quickly, and then I may come back around and and touch on some of them. Some of them, you're going to be like, Corey, you talked about that already. You're right, I did, which is why I'm not going to go into much detail about them now. I'm just going to read them off. But the very first thing that I think you should do is read Mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck. It's about having a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And by the way, this is in order of importance, this list of 15. So it's actually in order as I see it. Number two, read The Willpower Instinct by Dr. Kelly McGonigal. Read Dangerous Personalities by Joe Navarro. You're probably wondering why that one's on the list. I'll come back around to that. Read The Definitive Book of Body Language by Alan and Barbara Peace. Okay, I'll come back around to that one too. Number five, contemplate what you've read. And then allow it to just weave its way into your mind, your interactions with others, and your writing. Number six, create your author mantra, and then post it where you're going to see it, whether that's on your phone. Think of it like an affirmation if you want to. Uh, Post it where you're going to see it, where you get reminded of it every day. And one example might be publishing is not a race. Remind yourself that. Publishing isn't a race. Number seven, create a loose or detailed outline for your fiction project. You know, inc- include things like impl- completion expectations, goals, objectives, Think like about cover art, hire a graphic designer. That's number seven. Number eight, carve out writing time. You could try something like the Pomodoro timer. You could sneak in your writing wherever you're able to schedule or, or you just schedule it into your day. You know, everybody's a little bit different. Number nine, create an author website. And it doesn't have to be anything fancy. You know, you can do a simple landing page and that works in the beginning. Number 10, complete the first draft. Edit and revise it. Send it to an editor. Now, you're going to begin your writing your next book when you've sent that first book off. And after you receive the edits for the first book, you're going to temporarily stop working on the second book. Finish book one. include the for, Including formatting, cover art, and publishing it before you go back to book number two. Now, if you have no other obligations then in that case, you'll be able to juggle both activities in time. But I'm thinking of those of us out there who have families and other commitments, maybe another job or whatever, and so it really requires some juggling. And so you will probably need to stop temporarily on book two to finish up book one and before you move forward. So complete first draft of book two, and then just repeat this step. So this is step number 10. And again, I'll have these listed over on Backport Writer. It probably won't happen today, though, but I'll get them up over there sometime this week. Number 11. Don't obsess about sales rank or numbers, Uh, but if you can't help yourself, then you might want to check out Katie Pulse. It'll just make your life a little bit easier. It works with uh, the Kindle dashboard, not the other dashboards that you might be using, like from Kobo or uh, DraftSigital or any of those places, but it does work for Kindle. Number 12, learn the importance of metadata. Especially pay attention to categories and keyword phrases and, and learn to play with those. 13, be consistent as you create your author brand. Create and use the same or, you know, basically the same bio everywhere. Use the same image everywhere. So be consistent. Number 14, list your book as a pre-order, And not for the reason you might be thinking, but because it motivates you to finish the book. And number 15, create a print version. So let me come back around to a few of these. Um, I said read Dangerous Personalities by Joe Navarro. And I said read the definitive book of body language. There's a few reasons here. This Dangerous Personalities book is exactly that. It teaches you about... I believe it's four or five dangerous personalities. One of them is a narcissistic personality. The reason why I believe it's important to read this book is because it will help you to recognize those people around you who are truly not beneficial in your life, who are not helping you in your life, not supporting you, and in fact might be bringing you down in some way. That is the number reason, number one reason why I would say read that book because so many authors come into this business it's just insecure, and it does not help to have people around you who are not supportive and are not moving in the same general direction that you are. So read that book, get some insights from that book. I have it as the audio book, but I will say that the print version is probably going to work better for for you on this book because he has lists and things inside of it. And so I'll be getting the, the print version of this book pretty soon. Why would you want to know about uh, body language? Well, similar reason. If you can, Most of what we communicate is through body language. That's a fact. And there's percentages that are thrown out there, but it's a pretty high percentage of our communication is through body language. And so if you get pretty astute at reading other people, you'll figure out faster if they really should be around you. Let me give you a quick example. So this morning I was taking the kids to school, and we had a discussion. We've had a discussion about dangerous personalities before, and I was describing a narcissistic personality to them. But this morning, we were talking about the importance of not speaking ill of other people. So for I gave them an example. Let's say that you have two friends in front of you, and those two friends are speaking badly about another person that you all know, that the three of you know. Your job in that scenario is to, one, speak up and say, you know what, that's not very nice, and you probably shouldn't be talking that way about that person. And two, say, you know what, if, if this is something you wouldn't say to their face, then you shouldn't be saying it right now. This is an important lesson to learn, and not just for little kids. It's important because if that person is doing that in front of you, what are they doing behind your back? What are they saying about you when you're not there? This is a personality that you don't want around you. And that's what I was explaining to my kids, and that's what I'm telling you. So think about your inner circle, who you allow into that, because it's really important if you're starting out an author career, because there's a lot of insecurities in this line of work. You're not, It's not a get-rich-quick sort of scenario, especially if you're writing fiction. So think about that. So read those two books, Dangerous Personalities and The Definitive Book of Body Language. But again, Mindset First, Willpower and Instinct, then these two books. And then allow them to come into your life. Now I'm going to go back to number six, which was create your author mantra. My example with publishing isn't a race. I think oftentimes we can feel like it is a race because we so, see so many authors or hear so many authors or read about so many other authors just killing it, right? And they're making oodles and oodles of money. And ew, okay, it didn't happen overnight for them either. Generally, there are a few outliers, yes, but overall, many of those people have been writing for a long time and publishing for a long time and they have a backlist and you need a backlist. Generally, you need a backlist because it helps with discoverability and helps to move you forward. And so that is why you need to have that mantra that this, it's not a race or create another mantra that will work for you. Number seven, where I said create a loose or detailed outline, notice I wasn't real committed to either one. It's because you have to figure out what's going to work for you. I've learned over time that I need to have some sort of loosey-goosey outline when I'm working because then it helps me when I get to my revision editing process and I can move along faster when I do this, when I approach my writing that way. I didn't always do that. I used to just sit down and start writing. And when I've done that, it's made it a lot harder to go back and do the editing and the revising. And I have a middle grade novel that I finished in nano two years ago that is still sitting and not, I'm not doing anything with it because I know it's going to be a bear to deal with because I didn't do any outlining with it. And there's a point in the story where you can see that the story actually is coming together and making sense, and everything before it, the several hundred pages before that, no, and probably not going to be usable. And so that's a giant monumental task to go back and fix that. So I've learned over time that I need to do some level of outlining. I don't do a lot, but some, before I start my fiction project. So that's my suggestion to you. Create some sort of looser, detailed outline. You don't have to; It doesn't have to be really super... Uh, detail. It can be just simple. This is what I want to have happen from beginning to end. Sort of scenario. It's two sentences. And here's what I want to have happen in this scene. And do it scene by scene if you want to. So that's number seven. Uh, there's a lot of debate about you know carving out writing time. And as I said, you know we all have different lives and, and obligations and commitments in our in our lives and all that. I discovered that that Pomodoro timer was really helpful. I did that on one particular day, and in that day I was able to write almost six thousand words. Now, I probably won't do it that way again. I just wanted to see what would happen if I did it for a whole day to see what I could accomplish. And that's what I accomplished on that particular day. But I like the idea of the timer because I have it set for 25 minutes. So I write for 25 minutes, I stop for like five minutes and go walk around and do other things. So test that. You might find it very useful to you. Number nine was create an author website and nothing fancy. I wasn't even kidding. Just create a landing page so people can find you. Don't get all wrapped up in in your your website right now. And I know lots of people say, build your email list, start doing it right now. Yeah, you need an email list, um, but you also need books. So your focus should be on writing your books and then have a simple landing page and a way for people to connect with you. I'm not saying don't do that, but keep it simple. Don't make this your primary activity because your primary activity needs to be building a backlist and becoming discover- you know, getting discovered through your backlist and, and your writing. So focus your energy where it needs to be focused. Number 10 was a lot. I had a lot in there. But the bottom line there is when you finish that first draft of your book and you've done some editing and revising, you send it off to that editor, you can't just stop there. You have to start on the next book. And so shift gears and do that. That's an important technique. It's worked beautifully for me. I've been doing this for a little while now, and it it does work. So that's my big suggestion to you is is don't get caught up in self-editing, first of all, and allow yourself to let go of the first book so that you can move on to the second book. Number 11 was don't obsess about sales rank. That should be self-explanatory, but some people really do. And you know what? It's going to make you crazy. That's the bottom line. So let it go if you can. If you can't, just get Katie Pulse and check it. Maybe commit to checking it just maybe once a week instead of every single day, especially if you only have one book because the needle is not going to move much, and what you're going to see, generally speaking, is not something you want to see. So learn to let some of that go until you have more books available to people because that's when you'll really start to see some differences in your numbers is when you have more books available. Now, metadata, many of us know what this is. Some of us don't. You need to learn to play with the categories and the keyword phrases, especially over on Amazon because you get seven keyword phrases, not seven keywords, it's keyword phrases. So if you write mystery thrillers like I do, you might write as one of your keyword phrases, mystery thriller private investigator series. That's one keyword phrase, and I have six more now. So play with those things, because that, once you get more books out there, playing with those pieces of information, that data, can have a positive effect on your ranking over on Amazon. So learn about that. Uh, I read this recently that it was really important to have the same bio everywhere. I knew this from before and had already implemented it, but I read about it again recently. So it was a good reminder, and I wanted to make sure I added it here on this list. You want to be consistent with your image and bio because this is part of your brand that you're creating. doesn't mean it will never change. It just means that in the beginning, you should put some thought into what your bio is about and, and who you are and what you want to present to the readership. So you sit down and really think about that for a little bit. Um, Joe Freelander, oh, Joel Freelander, sorry, over on his site, uh, the book designer site and actually book template site, that's probably not the correct .com for it, but you'll find him if you look up Joel Freelander. He has an author media kit that is, yes, it costs a little bit of money. It's not very expensive, but it's useful because it has all the templates in it so that you can write your bios and have different versions, not different versions. Well, yeah, different versions of your bio, but essentially the same stuff. So you can have a, a two-line bio, a one-line bio perhaps. Maybe you'll have a six-sentence bio. So a, a very short, a medium, and a long bio. It just gives you an outline for how to do that. Um, and, and prompts you a little bit on what you might want to include in the bio. And it is something you want to update periodically. I mean, I update my bios on a pretty regular basis because of the different things that I'm doing or the books that I'm creating. So that's the kind of information you would need to update in your bio. So that's number 13, being consistent, because you're creating your brand. Now, this list, your book is a pre-order That might surprise some of you because it, I'm not saying it's for sales. I'm saying it's because it motivates you to finish the book. I have I have a deadline looming, and I know it, and so I'm going to get it done. You create a print version of your book because if you have a pre-order, people can't leave reviews until it's live, but they can on your print version. So they can leave reviews over there, and then the two will connect. So remember that. Create a print version. You may never sell any of them, but that's not really what matters. You're trying to give a landing spot for reviews, and this is specifically to Amazon. All right? So those are my top 15 ways that you can improve your odds of author success. Don't get marred down, bogged down by all the other stuff. Just focus on these things and create your plan and move forward and get yourself around people who share your mindset, your growth mindset, because nothing is worse than being around somebody who's a downer, essentially. So get your inner circle nice and tight, and then when you allow other people into that inner circle, make sure that they should be there. Make sure that they've earned the position to be in your inner circle, because yes, it is something, in my opinion, that has to be earned. It's not automatic, to be in my inner circle, it's earned because your, your perception of life and your outlook on everything needs to be pretty dang positive for me to say, hey, we should connect and be, you know, really tight friends. So keep that in mind. You want to protect that because it protects your, your own outlook on life. So thank you for joining me here on Back Porch Writer, the show for writers about writers and writing. I hope you found these 15 ways to improve your odds of author success useful. And be sure to check out Cheryl Jones and her book, because of him. And as I said, I will update the site soon. See you later. Thanks for listening to Back Porch Writer. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe via iTunes so people just like you can find the show. If you've got comments, questions, or want to be a guest, visit BackPorchWriter.com for details. I'm your host, Corey Miller. Until next time, pull the chair, sit a spell, and write.